You are tuned to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The following program is a rebroadcast of Miracle Hunter with Michael O'Neill. Welcome to the Miracle Hunter, where it doesn't matter if you are a believer or a skeptic, it's always worth the hunt. My name is Michael O'Neill. I am the Miracle Hunter and creator of the website MiracleHunter.com. I'll be your host for the next hour as we continue our weekly exploration of the world of miracles. Now, we have a fun program today. You may have noticed at your local theaters that there are two feature-length films about the Virgin Mary that are showing around the country in limited release, Mary of Nazareth and The Triumph, which is a film about the alleged apparitions of Medjugorje. We'll be doing interviews on both of those films today, as well as talking with Michael Dreesey, an expert on Mary in film from the University of Dayton's International Marian Research Institute. As always, we'll be asking you a Catholic Pub trivia question, so get your pens and paper ready. Later in the show, we'll be talking about how Our Lady is honored around the world on November 26th in our segment, 365 Days with Mary. For more information on this project, you can go to 365dayswithmary.com or look on Facebook, 365 Days with Mary. Each week, I'll be asking a trivia question and giving out a prize for a caller that gets the right answer. This week, we'll be giving away a framed image of a piece of artwork entitled The Faces of Mary. It is a photo mosaic of over 100 images of Our Lady that forms a large, beautiful picture of the Madonna and Child. Trivia questions are generously provided by Catholic Pub Trivia, an organization that partners with Catholic parishes, schools, or religious organizations to host Trivia Night fundraisers at local establishments. For more information on Catholic Pub Trivia or to organize an event in your area, please visit catholicpubtrivia.com. So we're going to try to keep it with the theme of the show. In the film, Mary of Nazareth, there's this dramatic scene with the Annunciation with Mary being visited by an angel. So here's our question. Who is the only angel to be mentioned by name in the New Testament? So again, that is, who is the only angel to be mentioned by name in the New Testament? For more information on Catholic Pub Trivia, please visit catholicpubtrivia.com. Each week I'll try to cover any newsworthy items in the world of miracles. Uh, to keep up to date with the latest in miracle news, uh, visit miraclehunter.com and sign up for our newsletter. You'll receive a monthly email with the latest Miracle Hunter news, including reports on the latest miracle stories, links to past radio episode podcasts, updates on my television series Miracle Hunters, now in development, and my book, Hunting for a Miracle, due out in spring 2014, any upcoming speaking engagements, and much, much more. So sign up for the newsletter on MiracleHunter.com by clicking the newsletter link at the bottom of the page. This week in Miracle News, we have two stories of alleged Eucharistic miracles. Now, I have to be perfectly honest. As a general policy, I am usually quite skeptical of these instances. In most cases, these phenomena are hoaxes or the object of some pious imagination. The first case I have is a report of thousands of faithful going to see the face of Christ, allegedly having appeared on a host in Vila Kanur in the Kerala, that's the southern region of India. Church authorities have actually deemed it interesting enough to investigate, which is interesting, because most of these cases largely go uninvestigated. They just kind of get brushed off by the church authorities. Um, Again, most of these instances are a hoax or a psychological phenomenon of pareidolia, that's sort of your mind seeing what it wants to see out of a random pattern. You know, you can think of the inkblot test or seeing images in clouds or that infamous image of Mary on the cheese sandwich. But this image is interesting. Take a look at MiracleHunter.com and see what you think. 
The second case, uh, which is very close here to me, it's about 10 minutes from the Miracle Hunter headquarters in Chicago. It's in the suburbs of Chicago at Our Lady of Help uh, Parish in Glenview, Illinois, where two separate people with two separate cameras have captured a glowing image next to the monstrous in Eucharistic adoration. This was reported on Chicago's major, uh, major news station, WGN. Um, I'm not sure what to make of this. Maybe there's a simple physical explanation, but there's two separate images, and some of the photo analysis we did uh, shows that neither was manipulated with software. So pretty interesting. See it for yourself for the, on the news page of MiracleHunter.com. Uh, thanks to Pegin in Chicago for alerting us to this news item. Uh, we welcome your emails with news and tips on Miracle Stories, so please email us at information at MiracleHunter.com. Uh, today's show, again, the theme is Mary in Film, and you are listening to Michael O'Neill on the Miracle Hunter radio show. And for more information on the program or my research in miracles, please visit MiracleHunter.com. We just watched the film Mary of Nazareth this past weekend, um, and I thought it was a visually beautiful film, and it was inspiring, uh, reflecting on the life of Mary. We're pleased to welcome our first guest. Uh, Anthony Ryan, who's the Director of Sales and Marketing for Ignatius Press, which is distributing the film Mary of Nazareth. For more information, you can go to maryfilm.com. Today we welcome Anthony Ryan. Hey, Michael, good afternoon. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. I know you have a very busy schedule, an exciting schedule, with the film hitting the theaters just now. How we do? So. Yeah, the response that we've had to this film has been incredible. Uh, it's the second uh, effort we've made to put a movie in theaters. The first one was last year. We did the film Restless Heart on St. Augustine based on his confessions. And uh, we, these are called theatrical sponsored screenings. So we work with uh, Christian organizations, Catholic or Protestant, to host their own screenings in their local movie theater, and they benefit uh, from doing that as well. And, uh, you know, so we're not a movie studio. We, don't, we can't distribute films in the traditional way. But this is uh, an idea we came up with for films that we think are uh, uh, exceptional and also shot in English, and that was the case with Restless Heart, and, and it's the case with this film on Our Lady called Mary of Nazareth. That's great. Um, now, in watching the film, um, I thought the film did an excellent job of keeping the focus on Mary of letting the audience sort of experience her emotions, her joys, her sorrows, but never losing sight of Christ as the center of the film and the center of Mary's life. Um, can you talk a little bit about how this film addresses that sort of challenge of having two different focuses? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, this is a film uh, that is is really about Our Lady. It's about her life. But you, when you talk about Mary and her life, of course, you can't separate her from uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, because her whole focus was on Him, as, as should be ours. And so that is her role, is to lead us to Him as our spiritual mother, as, as His mother. And so a movie about her uh, should do that, and this film certainly does do that, as you point out. Christ really is the central character or story of the film in that regard. Although the film is really, uh, from the bigger uh, picture, about the life of Mary from the time she's a child up through uh, her younger life before um, she and Joseph are married, and then through the, all the way through the resurrection of Christ. So a good part of it actually deals with her life before Christ is born, and then the second uh, part and is about the, uh, her life uh, once Christ is born and, and through his death and resurrection. So, I mean, you could really say it's, in one sense, the life of Christ is seen through the eyes of his mother, 
uh, and it is, but it's also more than that because it does uh, cover her life as best as is possible uh, before Christ uh, was born. Now, you mentioned that you cover sort of the early life of Mary, and it seems that there was sort of a concerted effort to depict Mary in a more uplifting, positive way than in other similar films, such as The Nativity, where she's kind of seen as a sullen teenager. Uh, can you talk about this and any other attempted departures from previous biblical films? Well, I mean, I think the, uh, you're right, and uh, the reason for that in this film is because, um, well, I think part of the reason is because who made this film? I mean, the film that you just noted, the Nativity Story, uh, was really made by, um, you know, secular filmmakers with some uh, help from a Protestant scriptwriter, and uh, I think for that, in that case, they did a pretty good job, but it certainly wasn't the Catholic view of Our Lady. Uh, you're right, sullen teenager, um, sometimes sassy, not very happy, seemed like she didn't really know who she was or what she was about. But in this film, it's made by a Catholic director, filmmaker, Giacomo Campiotti, produced by a company that's run by Catholic, Catholic executives in, in Europe, Lux Vitae. Um, and so this was a film that was truly made from a Catholic perspective with a Catholic heart. And, and as we know, Catholics have a great reverence for Our Lady, a great love for Our Lady. And so that was the perspective they brought to this film. They wanted to have that uh, great reverence and love for her in the way that they portrayed her in this film. Great. Now, given, given that uh, it was produced by a Catholic filmmaker and sort of has a Catholic view of Mary, can you talk about uh, sort of any reaction from Protestants who have seen this film or the outreach to the Protestant community, how they've reacted to the film? Well, we haven't really had much yet. We're working on that. Uh, as you can imagine, it's a little tricky to get them uh, interested or to get them to uh, take part in this. Um, so that's an effort that we're making. Our first effort and, you know, main focus was to, you know, to get it out there among in the Catholic marketplace and to get Catholics aware of it and to support it, including Catholic leaders. And, you know, so one of the things we did before we released it is we sent screeners to, you know, a group of 15 or more Catholic leaders that are well-known and asked them to give us their opinion of this film because we wanted to be sure that uh, others uh, would kind of agree with how we saw this film because it's a film about Our Lady that we wanted to be very careful about and be sure that it was as good as, as uh, you know, we thought it was and honored her in the right way. So uh, we've got endorsements and great feedback from all of them. Matter of fact, none of them had negative things to say, only positive things to say. And we didn't, I just asked them to be objective about it, just to be honest, frank about it, be critical of this film. And you know, all of them, you know, whether it was Father Andrew Apostoli or Father Donald Calloway, Mother Assumpta Long, Mother Dolores Hart, who was herself an actress at one point, uh, you know, laymen like Michael O'Brien or Stephen Ray. I mean, they all loved this film and had great things to say about it. So that was kind of our first effort in trying to get support for this film. And now that we have it out there, uh, we're trying to uh, bring in the Protestants and trying to get them to to come to screenings and to maybe host their own screenings. So we're still working on that. But it's going to be out in the theaters, uh, you know, through Easter. That's our plan. That's great. Um, what? So I watched the film, like I said, this past weekend, and one aspect of the film that I was struck by was sort of the reoccurring sense of Jesus as bridegroom and Mary as bride, uh, the church. Um, sort of after the death of St. Joseph, Joseph, it became pretty clear that only they understood each other and Jesus' divine mission. Their love is very pure and tangible in the film, and that came across to me. 
in a way that other films could not portray. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how this film attempts to address the mother-son relationship? Well, that's a good insight on your part. I'm curious, did you see it on the big screen, or how did you view this film? I had a special um, media pass to okay. view it online. Uh, that's an excellent observation uh, and, you know, a pretty profound one, and uh, I think you're right on the money. I think uh, they, that was one of the, uh, the uh, things that they wanted to try to portray in this film, and I think they did, did do it, and you have to kind of have that, you know, I think maybe a little deeper understanding to appreciate that. But, um, yeah, so besides having, you know, kind of this effort to really honor Mary as the mother of the Messiah and a woman conceived without sin and, and uh, you know, all the Catholics, um, you know, hold, the, you know, how we regard her. They also uh, do, um, you know, present this whole aspect of Jesus as the bridegroom and, and Mary representing the church as the bride. And, you know, so they're working together, uh, and you sense that in the film, and that Mary is really the only one that really understands who Jesus is and what his mission is. And, um, you know, the apostles start to get it, but as we know, it took them uh, quite a while and really didn't fully get it until after the resurrection. And it, But it's clear that Our Lady gets it, and as you say, after Joseph dies, and, uh, you know, they have a beautiful scene where he's dying and, you know, she's with him and, and uh, you know, he worries about leaving her alone. And then she says, well, I, I won't be alone. And then he says, you're right, you won't be alone. Jesus will be with you. And so the whole idea is that, you know, she understands that what his mission is as the, as the, as the Messiah, as, as the bridegroom, and Mary, who represents the church, uh, as as the bride and and so they they are like one and and they work together and and she even tells some of her relatives who don't understand Christ who misunderstand him in the film who are trying to have her leave get away from him because you know in some ways he scandalizes people by what he says and does she she turns to them and said he he is my lord and you know I'm going to be with him. I'm going to follow him. And so it is a. It, you're right. That's a beautiful observation, and it's a profound uh, perspective that they bring to this film. The whole idea of the bridegroom and the bride. And I think the film really uh, captures sort of the divine mission and the humanity of Christ and his relationship with his mother. Uh, that was that was pretty. That was beautiful for me. Um, now tell us a little bit how Ignatius Press got involved with the film and sort of your plans going forward uh, with distribution. Yeah, let me do that. I just want to comment on what you just said, though, because I think that's another really important part of this film, is besides the whole bridegroom-bride aspect, which is, you know, kind of on a deeper spiritual level. Uh, you know, the humanity of Christ, the humanity of Our Lady, is beautifully portrayed in this film. I mean, it's so hard to capture that in films about Christ and Mary, and so often it's aired on, it's, they air on one side or the other too much. In other words, uh, for Christ, uh, maybe either over overdoing his divinity so that you lose sight of his humanity uh, or vice versa and the, and the same with Our Lady they may be, you know some films not many actually they might be too have her as too pious and, and not human enough and so I think in this film as you just mentioned they do a good job of that balance that very delicate balance of showing both the humanity and the divinity of Christ and the great holiness of Mary and yet her, her profound humanity um, and so then the film becomes about relationships, as we mentioned about their relationship, how profound and beautiful it is, the great love they have for each other, 
And, uh, you know, we, we share in that love and also the love that she and Joseph had. I think that's another important aspect of this film, that whole relationship that she and Joseph had, which is really, I think, beautiful and moving. Uh, so then to get on your question about how we get involved with films like this and, uh, uh, and, and you know, how fortunate we've been. So, you know, we're a book publishing company. Father Joseph Fessio started Ignatius Press 35 years ago. Uh, mainly to publish books, and so maybe in the last uh, 15 or 20 years, we've gotten more and more involved with films, uh, distributing them, producing some documentaries, and then licensing films that are already made. And we've had developed some great relationships with studios in Europe who've been making these uh, wonderful films on the lives of saints and on Catholic stories, and in this case, the film on Our Lady. And with those relationships, we've been able to license these films that they make and uh, up until last year, you know, generally release them on DVD. But uh, as I say, once in, once in a while, when a film comes along that we think is exceptional in terms of the quality of, of, of its production values and the story it tells, and also that it's made in English, then we are going to try to do something like we're doing with Mary of Nazareth, and we did with Restless Heart, and that is to try to get it in the movie theaters. That's great. I'm, I'm glad to see Ignatius Press involved in getting, getting it out to everyone to see. It's really a beautiful work. Uh, Give us one final shot at how people can find out about the film and how they can organize groups uh, to, to go see it in the theater. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, you know, uh, we have a website, maryfilm.com, uh, just the two words put together, maryfilm.com. And on that website, which is just for this movie, first of all, though, for those who want to find out where it might be showing in the area, there's a tab on that page that's called Showtimes. If you go to the Showtimes page uh, section on the Mary uh, Film website, you can find out everywhere that it's showing and the details of the screenings. But we're really encouraging people who don't have it showing in their area to host their own screening. And and the fact of the matter is it's not difficult. And, uh, you know, people are finding that out. And basically all it involves is... Um, going to your local theater theater and uh, renting it for a certain uh, time, certain date, and they're happy to rent their theater out to people. They do it all the time. Uh, pick a date that works for your group. Give yourself enough time, and then we will um, rent the film to you. We will license it to you, send it directly to the theater. We'll work out those details directly with you. We'll provide you movie posters and flyers, bulletin announcements, and everything you need to promote your film, movie tickets as well. So it's a whole turnkey operation. And what that is, is uh, what that becomes is really a three-part uh, bonus for all those involved with it. One, you have a movie that's a great movie experience, a great uh, inspiring, in this case, Catholic story or Christian story, really, not just Catholic, right in the heart of the culture, right in your own local movie theater. Second of all, it's a great tool for evangelization. Again, right in the heart of the culture, you've got a great film that tells the story of our, uh, you know, about our Catholic faith. And then third, you have a uh, film that you can use as a fundraiser. So a lot of groups who do this now, once they realize it's not that hard to do, because really it's basically just promoting it. If you get a theater, you get the film, you just get people to go, and all the ticket money uh, you keep, your organization keeps, the theater doesn't keep any of that. So that's basically how it works, and we do have people that will work directly with you uh, that you can contact on our website at maryfilm.com. I'll just give you the phone number as well for people that just want to call. There is a toll-free number that they can call if they don't want to go online, and uh, then they can talk to the people directly, and that number is uh, 866-777-2313, 866-777-2313. 
and uh, we've got Carmel Communications and uh, Ignace Press working together on this project. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much, Anthony. That's Anthony Ryan from Ignatius Press with the film Mary of Nazareth, and that can be found at maryfilm.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. Michael, thanks for having me on. God bless you. Now, for those of us joining the, just joining the program, uh, this is Michael O'Neill, and you're listening to the Miracle Hunter radio show. For more information on the program or research on miracles, please visit miraclehunter.com. Uh, next up on the program, we are going to interview an expert on Mary in film, uh, Michael Derisi from IMRI, the International Marian Research Institute at the University of Dayton. Now, he holds a licentiate in sacred theology from IMRI and wrote his thesis on Mary in film, analyzing cinematic presentations of the Virgin Mary from 1897 to 1999. We'd like to welcome to the program Michael Derisi. Well, it's a pleasure to join you, Michael. I hope I'm coming in okay. I listened to yep, the first it, part of the program, and I enjoyed it quite a bit myself. Great. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. I think the last time we saw each other was during my visit to Emory last year. So um, this is sort of an exciting time with two films about the Virgin Mary, Mary of Nazareth and The Triumph, both out in major theaters at the same time. Well, I would agree with that, uh, but I would say don't be too surprised with that. In fact, I just saw a little note on uh, Yahoo News yesterday, and they talked about a big screen version of the Bible being made. That is the miniseries that was shown on History Channel yes. uh, last year. Uh, it was so popular that they thought that they would be able to uh, remake, repackage uh, some of the footage and uh, put it on the, the big screen. And in the article about that, they mentioned uh, that one should, uh, should expect a wave uh, of films about the Bible, because uh, the Christian audience in the United States is so large, and it's really been underserved uh, by what the media outlets are providing, and uh, the things that have been provided uh, have fared very well. That's great. Yeah, thank you for that insight. I look forward to seeing more films uh, like this. So it's really great to have you on the program today, because uh, we really would like to get a little perspective, a little history on how the Blessed Mother has been depicted on film over the years. Can you give us a little of this perspective on Mary in film? Well, we'll do the best we can. Uh, one thing I can tell you is that she's been there from the start, and Jesus has been there from the start, and films about the Bible and characters and events from the Bible have been there from the start. Uh, the first uh, public showing of films, as far as most people know, was around 1890, I'm sorry, 1895, uh, and already by 1897, uh, films of Bible events, for example, uh, passion plays, were being filmed. And we actually have uh, one on videotape here, VHS videotape, uh, that dates to around 1898-1899. Uh, it was uh, supposed to be a, uh, a remake of the passion play at, Omerong at Oberammergau, uh, but actually it was done to its own script and it was filmed in the United States. Uh, the version we have was restored uh, by the George Eastman House, and you can see scenes, for example, uh, of uh, Jesus' birth in Bethlehem in that clip. Uh, so Marian film goes back to the very start, and uh, Bible films are going to become very important in the early uh, stages of commercial cinema. You know, the silent film era has a, a large number of Life of Christ films, 
uh, that go back, you know, to, as I said, to about 1897, and they follow through to the end, where we have a very fine one called The King of Kings that was directed by uh, Cecil B. DeMille, came out in 1927, just before the start of the sound era. Uh, in that early area, you know, your guest was talking about how uh, you uh, you have these uh, this continuum of presentations of Jesus and Mary. You know, are they really ethereal? Are they really detached? Are they really elevated? Uh, or are they very human, you know, maybe too human? And then there's a whole continuum of approaches between there. Uh, but in that early era with the silent films, there were a lot of films made in many different countries, uh, but they had in common uh, a very uh, devotional approach. So, uh, you know, you would get Jesus and Mary like you might read about in uh, Lives of the Saints or see in Holy Cards or Christmas Cards. Uh, so a little more detached, a little more elevated, and uh, you know, that's part of the story. We say Jesus is true God and true man. So there's there's that other half of the story, too. And it's the same with Mary. You know, uh, until uh, fairly recently, she's going to be more detached. She's going to be more elevated. Uh, and then uh, once we get past Vatican II, uh, they're going to emphasize a little more of Mary as one of the church, uh, as, as a person like us that, that knows what it's like to live in the world and uh, have to journey uh, with her faith until she reaches God at the end of this earthly life. And so uh, all of that is going on in films. And, uh, you know, one thing that's important in the portrayal of Mary, I, I talked about these Life of Christ films, uh, and uh, that's where she appears um, for a long time within the context of a film about the life of Christ. Uh, but once we get uh, to 1950, we have one exceptional film. It's called Mater Dei, which is Latin for Mother of God. It was made by the Society of St. Paul. Uh, and it's actually still available uh, on the Internet. One, one can purchase copies on DVD, uh, but one can see the entire thing on tvimmaculata.net. Uh, and uh, that film is uh, the first one that I would call A Life of Mary, uh, where she is not simply a supporting character while we tell the story of Jesus' life, uh, but a main character, or perhaps the main character, especially because... You know, that we have her early life before Christ is born, we are, where Jesus isn't a character at all. And so you can see how she's going to take center stage there. Uh, yeah, I can see how of, that would be a, a shift in, in focus there. Now, uh, right. Mike, we have, a, we have a caller on the line, uh, Vinny, who would like to ask you a question. I'd be happy to try and answer. Oh, hey, all right. Go, go ahead, Vinny. Can you hear me? Yes. Great. Thank, thank you so much. Hey. Uh, yes, my question is uh, actually kind of a multi-level question. Could, uh, coming up on the Christmas season, I'd like to show my family some uh, movies about the Blessed Mother. And I was wondering if you could speak to uh, the movie you would suggest that best explains the Immaculate Conception. Uh-huh. And then also uh, movies to avoid. And then also uh, the best ones on Fatima and Medjugorje. And I'll hang up so I can write it down. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, boy, many questions there. Well, <laughs> questions I guess, I guess there, you, yeah. I guess you can't go wrong with uh, Zeffirelli's Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, you're going to get a, a really fine presentation of the life of Christ 
with some really fine acting by Robert Powell, uh, and uh, a lot of uh, material about the Virgin Mary. You know, it's, it was a mini-series that lasts about six hours, uh, and Mary is on screen for about two hours out of the entire six. Uh, so as I said, she's, she's not just a supporting character, but she's really a major character. And not really the main character. Uh, Jesus is the main character in this one, and it is a, a Life of Christ film and not a Life of Mary film. Okay, uh, But once we get to the 70s, uh, for a lot of reasons, one of which I think is the women's movement, uh, Mary gets a lot of attention to herself. Uh, I mean, she, she becomes the main character in a number of films made in the United States, some made other, way, other places. Uh, Mary Magdalene, too. I, I think uh, a lot of that has to do with the women's movement. Uh, and, of course, the women's movement is, is still a factor in contemporary society. Uh, and uh, these Life of Mary films uh, are still being made. So all of that is going on. Uh, my point, though, is I, I guess I've been asked to suggest one film uh, where Mary kind of takes center stage. And one that I like myself is called The Nativity. came out in 1978. It was a movie made for television and shown on television was directed by Bernard Kowalski, uh, and it starred Madeline Stowe as Mary. Uh, you might recognize the name. She's actually still in the business. She's got a major part in a series called Revenge. So uh, maybe this is a good time to, uh, to bring back uh, The Nativity with Madeline Stowe, uh, put it on DV, DVD and give people a chance uh, to watch that. Now, the specific question was, uh, how would we bring out uh, the Immaculate Conception? Uh, and that's, uh, that's a difficult question, uh, because film uh, is, a is a visible media. You know, television is a, is a visible media. Uh, it deals with things that are concrete, that can be seen by the eyes. And the Immaculate Conception is a spiritual reality. Okay? It deals with, with the grace state uh, of Mary's heart, the graced state of Mary's soul. Uh, and that's really not something that can be shown directly. Uh, one might try to show it, uh, but uh, that would really be a symbolic approach and not really um, a direct approach. You know, if, if one wanted to show uh, light around Mary, perhaps a luminous halo over her head or around her heart, uh, that, that might suggest uh, her immaculate character, her sinless, graced character. But it would be a symbol, you know, that uh, that's probably not the way she appeared to anyone uh, unless they were given a, a special grace to see. And the same with Jesus, you know, uh, apart from the transfiguration, uh, you know, this, this uh, luminous uh, grace that, that was all a part of him uh, wasn't visible all the time, you know. So, uh it's a challenge to try and bring these things out uh, on film. And uh, I guess maybe just to save time, I would say I'm not sure I can suggest a good film that brings out Mary's immaculate conception. Uh, I'm that's, wondering, uh, though... That's really an interesting challenge that you point out, sort of sort of the spiritual aspect, but bringing that to the to the viewers, uh, how do you translate that? So I think that I think uh, you answered that pretty well. Um now, uh, Vinny also asked, and I wanted to ask as well, about movies that explicitly talk about apparitions of the Virgin Mary. So we have such films as The Thirteenth Day, which talks about Fatima, or 
Gospa with um, Martin Sheen, that's of course a Medjugorje film, and the most famous uh, apparition movie of them all, The Song of Bernadette. What can you tell us about those films? Uh, well, I would have to say Song of Bernadette really stands out from most anything. Uh, it got Jennifer Jones an Academy Award as Best Actress when it came out. Uh, actually, that's the first year the Golden Globes were awarded, I think. Uh, and I believe it got the uh, award for Best Picture. Okay. Uh, one thing about Song of Bernadette is that even though uh, films were being made in color, uh, it was filmed in black and white. Uh, but uh, being filmed in ba black and white, uh, it still got uh, the award for Best Cinematography from the Academy, you know, the Oscar. Uh, I forget if it got the same award from the Golden Globe, uh, but perhaps it got the uh, even more prestigious Best Picture Award. Uh, but that really stands out, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, I think, very close to the story of Lourdes. Uh, it isn't exactly a historical film, uh, it's based on a novel by uh, Franz Werfel called Song of Bernadette also, uh, and that's a, a historical novel. You know, it's based on history, uh, but not everything in it is, uh, you know, verbatim like, like a newspaper account. Uh, but my understanding of, uh, of uh, the film and the Lourdes miracle uh, are, are that Song of Bernadette is very close. Uh, you know, you might wonder if uh, Bernadette is portrayed by Jennifer Jones, if, if Jennifer Jones' portrayal of Bernadette was really that close to how she was. I mean, uh, you know, she's really uh, very saintly. Uh, she's a very pleasant person, a very likable person, uh, almost to a fault, one would say. Uh, but uh, as we studied the uh, records of Bernadette's life, some of her relatives say that when she was young, she was very much like that, you know, the, the ideal young lady. And now uh, also uh, she, uh, some of them are telling us that she was kind of feisty and she had a good sense of humor. Uh, and, uh, of course, we also have then, then records uh, that that was also the case. So you wonder what the story is behind that, because in, in uh, Song of Bernadette, uh, the only thing that comes out is the first part, the good little girl, you know, not really the, the feisty, witty uh, person that some of the other accounts say. And I think maybe as she got a little older, some of those characters of her personality came out, uh, and maybe they didn't come out when she was really young, when she was, like many children, told to mind your place and things like that. But probably both of them are, are part of the truth. Uh, another film that was made uh, it was called Bernadette, was directed by Jacques Delanois, came out in the 80s, uh, and there you see a little more of the other Bernadette, uh, kind of witty, kind of feisty, uh, and, uh, you know, so that's, that's part of the story, too, and I don't, I don't think it's either less accurate or more accurate than Song of Bernadette. It's just kind of complimentary. Uh, Henry King, who directed Song of Bernadette, was really an A-list director. I mean, he did many films. Uh, some others that I liked were um, 12 O'Clock High and The Gunfighter, uh, both with Gregory Peck. Another one he uh, was well-received was A Bell for Adano. Uh, so, I mean, he, he did directed dozens, and he was well-known. But the same with Jean Delanois. Uh, he was uh, well-known, and he did uh, this film, Bernadette. He did a sequel to it called The Passion of Bernadette, 
uh, where we see what her life was like after she entered the monastery. And uh, Delanois also did a film about Mary that he thought would really be kind of revolutionary. Uh, I think it's really kind of conventional, uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's a nice film in its own right. And it was called Mary of Nazareth. Uh, it uh, played in the United States on the Lifetime channel uh, some years ago, and it's it's not hard to find. Uh, but uh, so that's about the Song of Bernadette. Thank you, Michael, oh. for for that explanation. I think uh, you know I think that that was wonderful. And uh, Song of Bernadette is one of my favorite films, especially pertaining to the visions of Our Lady. Um, and and finally, before we wrap up today, tell us a little bit uh, about the. International Marian Research Institute, where you work. Uh, the website can be found udayton.edu slash mary. Tell us a little bit about uh, that website and, and the work that you do. Okay. Well, we've been uh, managing the website pretty much since uh, web technology was made available here at the University of Dayton. So it goes back to 1995. Uh, and actually, I was one of the webmasters that, that worked on it for many years. I still work on it a bit. Uh, but if one wants to find out about the International Marian Research Institute and the Marian Library, that's that's where I work, and it's a whole integrated institute at the University of Dayton, uh, one can find out a lot about it by going to that website, udayton.edu slash M-A-R-Y. Uh, we uh, offer uh, advanced church degrees in Marian studies, so uh, if someone has an interest in that and a background, uh, this might be a good place to do it. Uh, we also have probably the world's most extensive and uh, complete collection of materials, especially books on the Virgin Mary, so if someone wants to come in and take a uh, visit through the, the library and the holdings, uh, they're welcome to do that. We're on the campus of the University of Dayton. I actually teach some classes myself. Sometimes I'll, I'll teach a prereq for us, like a course on Christology or Trinity. Uh, but my specialty is my thesis topic, Marian film. Uh, and so I do a, a course on Marian media, and I teach that on a regular basis. Uh, there's uh, questions we got that I hope I, I answered well for Vinny, what he called uh, you know, if other people want to send us some questions and, and I can try and answer them, uh, we have an email, which is uh, livingwithmarytoday at udayton.edu. Uh, so I'd be glad to try and answer questions that way that I wasn't able to get to on the air. Uh, I don't know. Is that, is that enough about the Institute? I, I think yeah, you know wonder, a bit about it. Wonderful, you... Mike. Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing today. Uh about your knowledge, your vast knowledge of Mary and film, and for telling us a little bit about the Institute, and we look forward to talking to you again in the future. So thanks very much for joining us. My pleasure. Yes, thanks very much. That was God Michael Dorisi from University of Dayton International Marian Research Institute, udayton.edu slash mary. Now this is Michael O'Neill. You are listening to the Miracle Hunter radio show. And for more information on the program or my research on miracles, please visit MiracleHunter.com. Each week we'll be doing a segment entitled 365 Days with Mary. Now, this is a new initiative of Miracle Hunter LLC. In the course of my research over the last 15 years on apparitions, uh, miraculous images, and all things Marian, I've come to realize that for each and every day of the year, somewhere in the world, there is a Marian title, feast, or commemoration being celebrated. It never ceases to amaze me how much the world loves the Mother of God and honors her unceasingly throughout the year. 
This is a project that I've been working on, well, probably five years now. Uh, and through my research, I've assembled all the dates and all their feasts into one resource. And I call this project 365 Days with Mary. Now, each entry features images, a description, and a history of the feast day, and a prayer, along with information on the shrines that are associated with them, including visitor information and links for those wishing to see these places. Now, the project is available in a print form of a daily engagement calendar, that's the Daily Planner, as well as online at 365dayswithmary.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, which is really great because if you like us, you can automatically receive information about each feast day and learn more about our Blessed Mother and how she is honored around the world on that day. So be sure to like 365 Days with Mary on Facebook and visit the website 365dayswithmary.com to see the project. The print version, in the form of the Daily Organizer, makes a great Christmas gift. For those people who are interested in Marian apparitions, this week in the calendar had quite a string of commemorations of approved Marian devotions. On Friday, November 29th, we commemorate the first apparition of Our Lady of the Golden Heart, which is a fully Church-approved apparition in Barang, Belgium, in 1932. On Thursday, which will be Thanksgiving, uh, it's the commemoration of the first apparition of the Mother of the Word in Kibeho, Rwanda, which occurred November 28, 1981, and that's the most recently occurring Marian-approved apparition. Um, tomorrow, Wednesday the 27th, is the Feast of Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal, uh, which is the famous apparition to St. Catherine Labouret in Rudebach, France, in 1830. And finally for today, a uh, lesser-known apparition is Our Lady of Sophonier in Damascus, Syria, which is celebrated today, November 26th. Uh, that is an apparition uh, to Mirna's... Uh, uh, her name is Myrna. Uh, she is uh, the apparition started in 1982, and uh, she's a stigmatic. And there was oil uh, flowing from the image uh, that she was venerating. That's Myrna Nazur, and the image of Our Lady is Christian unity, so bringing all the Christian religions together into one. Um, and that's an approved apparition by the Syrian Catholic Church. So, for more information on this devotion of Our Lady of Sophonier from Damascus or any other commemorations happening this week, please visit 365 Days with Mary uh, at 365dayswithmary.com. If, again, if you like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, you'll get information each day with that day's devotion around the world. For those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Miracle Hunter radio show, and I'm your host, Michael O'Neill. I'm the Miracle Hunter, and you can read more about uh, Marian apparitions and other miracles at my website, miraclehunter.com. Uh, we're continuing the theme of today, uh, Mary in Film, and we'll turn our attention to The Triumph, which is a film about the controversial, famous, alleged apparitions in Medjugorje in Bosnia-Herzegovina, which is the former Yugoslavia. Uh, the apparitions there have been being reported since 1981. Today we have with us the founder and director of IHS 312, Zaid Jezrawi. He's the producer and filmmaker of The Triumph, along with Sean Bloomfield. Uh, we welcome to the program today, Dave Jezrawi. Hi, Mike. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Thanks for joining us today. All right. Great. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, as you know, uh, I saw your film, The Triumph, a few months ago at a packed house at its opening in Chicago at the Gene Siskel Theater. Uh, the film continues to be shown in the U.S. and theaters around the world. Uh, can you tell us how the film is doing? Well, um, it's 
it's playing all uh, all around the world, and um, it's in Canada. It's getting into all the different countries, and the response has been incredible. And we're getting feedback um, coming back from all the different people that are watching us film, and it's just been spectacular. That's great. And- and I know that uh, Medjugorje is very personally important to you and your faith. Uh, for 12 years, you've been leading pilgrimages there. Uh, can you tell us what inspired you to take that next step and to make this film? Yeah, I, I felt compelled. Um, Sean and I both felt compelled to make this film. And um, we just felt like the message was not getting out fast enough. And... Um, so when Sean and I started our dialogue in regards to the making of the film, we thought, how can we, how can we get this film out to as many people as we can? Because we felt the message was so important. And we tried to um, target three different categories in making the film. One was uh, young adults and the youth because they have so many distractions right now in the world with all the gadgets and everything else that's going on. The other uh, category was uh, those struggling with addiction, and then also unbelievers, those who have not come to know the love of God yet. So we kind of kept those three criteria in the forefront as we were dialoguing and and beginning the process of making the film. Yeah, I Um, I have to admit that, you know, when I saw the film, uh, a few of the things that really jumped out to me were, one was the style of the film, it's sort of edited in a fast-paced, bold style that would appeal to a younger audience, and the second was that the film covers the history of Medjugorje and the alleged apparitions with footage and interviews, but really the main focus of the film is really about one young man's journey to overcome addiction. Um, so that, that seems like it was very intentional for you to, to cover, cover that angle. Yeah, we did, in, in our dialogue, uh, we did not want to make a traditional film. We wanted to uh, make it different, make it more edgy. Uh, for the youth and the young adults, because to keep their attention, if you know, we there is a time and a place for a traditional films that are a little bit more religious. This one we wanted to make a little bit more uh, edgy to appeal to the youth and the young adults, and it's uh, the plan has been working out uh, brilliantly, and uh, they're definitely responding to, to it. Um, the not all the older people are necessarily liking it. But the youth and the young adults are definitely um, attracted to it, and they can't say enough good things about it and how it spoke to them, and they were on the edge of their seat. So that's kind of what we were trying to cater to. Yeah, that definitely came across in the film. One tricky aspect of the film is, of course, that Medjugorje is a controversial topic. Um, In one of my favorite books uh, called The Miracle Detective, I think you've read it as well, Randall Sullivan wrote this best-selling book where he actually says that Medjugorje is the single most divisive question in the Church today. Uh, It's kind of interesting. It doesn't cut into conservative and liberal camps like other issues do. Uh, People on all sides have different opinions on it. Uh, You have some cardinals publicly supporting it and others being against it. Uh, And recently, the Pope uh, came out with some really interesting informal comments that seem to discourage devotions in such things as those found at Medjugorje, and the papal nuncio to the U.S. just released a letter uh, that to, from the CDF to the bishops here in the U.S. that basically said, all Medjugorje-related activities which assume the authenticity of the apparition should stop. 
So uh, those are really interesting things that just came out in the last couple of weeks here and we covered on the show. How does that affect your film, and how does that affect the outlook on Medjugorje in general? This is exactly why we made the film, so that people can explore this phenomenon that's been happening. And um, we basically are putting uh, all the... We interviewed all the different people from all walks of life. We even interviewed an imam, uh, who is the equivalent of a Muslim pastor, and uh, an Orthodox priest, and... So we collectively uh, got this information from all different people in regards to Medjugorje. And people can go there and, and watch the film sort of on a cinematic pilgrimage without spending all the money to go all the way across seas. And, and then it can kind of, uh, some of the air can be cleared up a little bit as to eliminate the confusion. The, um, the papal nuncio letter, he said in this, one of the last sentences, um, public celebration during which the credibility of such apparitions would be taken for granted. And I, I agree with that. I agree with what he's saying, that the credibility or validity of, of the apparition should not be taken for granted until the Church gives it its final approval. The film is designed in such a way that it just it's not narrated. We did not have it narrated so that we wouldn't put our two cents in there. It's just, you're, you're listening to young people and older people and priests and imams talk about Medjugorje, and so then you can draw your own conclusion in a sense of um, what you think. Do you think it's you know, worthy of believing or not? Uh, not getting ahead of the Church, of course. We always have to be obedient to the magisterium of the Church. That's great. That's, uh, that's the appropriate outlook, and I think you've hit it on the head there. Um, now, so for people who want to explore the controversy for themselves, how can they find out more about the film? How can they see this film in theater or even organize groups to, to go see the film? Yes, that's the uh, best way to do it is to um, go to our website, which is thetriumph.org, thetriumph.org, and you can find out. We have a list of all the screenings. Um, if it's not in your area, and we're encouraging people to um, put together their own screening to become a host, and this is something that's very um, unorthodox. It's not something that has been done. Uh, this is really, really, we're talking about a grassroots campaign uh, for this film, but it's been working out awesome. We've raised over $200,000. I think now we're north of $200,000 for different organizations. I should say the hosts have helped raise over $200,000 for different um, organizations and non-for-profit and churches and what have you. Um We've had, to date, I believe we're north of 200,000 people who have seen the film worldwide. And so people can host their own screening of the film, and then they can use that as a fundraiser for a different organization. And uh, almost every single person who's hosted the film has raised money. Not, not one person has uh, lost money. Wow, that, that's incredible. So... Uh, thank you, Zaid, for joining us today. We'll uh, probably have you back on the show another time to tell us, uh, give us an update on how your film is doing. Uh, for anybody with wanting more information, it's, the movie's called The Triumph, and you can find out more at thetriumph.org. Thanks very much, Zaid. Thank you. You are tuned to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you just heard was a rebroadcast of Miracle Hunter with Michael O'Neill.